Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Well, the year was 1994 and it was during the 4th of July weekend. It's a big weekend in these states, you know. A new movie was being released that was going to be a blockbuster. Eventually, you know, it would get to that point. It would go into theaters and it would go on actually to win 29 awards. Between its storytelling, its acting, its visual effects, its editing, its soundtrack, and its full production, nothing like it before. This movie was a coming of age story of what it was like to live in the 1960s during the height of the Vietnam War and the Civil Rights Movement. And the audience, the viewer, you and I, when we tuned on and watched, we were following the main character, his story, named Forrest Gump. Now, I'm sure many of us have at one point or another have come across that film, but in one scene of that movie, in one of those scenes, Forrest was out in Vietnam he was serving with his platoon there, and they were going into the jungle, into the battle. And while they were in there trying to, I guess, get to the other side, I think, but while they were in the process of trying to move forward, gunfire and explosions start to take place. And before everything kind of, everyone got their bearings about them, most of them were hit and on the ground, except Forrest seemed to have come away injury-free. And so now, Forrest, as soon as this happened, is concerned about one person, a person that he's met and has really cherished his friendship, his best friend, Bubba. And so there in the jungle, in the midst of chaos, Forrest is yelling, Bubba! Bubba! And he's trying to run around. He doesn't know where he's going. He's just running around trying to find Bubba. And as he's out in the jungle with his focus after this one person, Bubba, then he starts to see among the jungle, hands coming up. Oh, so he runs over there. It's not Bubba, but he knew it was one of his men that was in his platoon, hit on, on the ground. He couldn't leave him there. So he picks him up and he drags him off to safety. And then he turns around and goes right back into the jungle. Bubba! And another hand goes up and he runs over. It's not Bubba. And he, rolls and he puts this guy over his shoulder and runs him out to safety. And over and over again, time and time, soldier after soldier, he runs in finding Bubba. But he keeps coming out with someone else, bringing him into safety over and over. Forest became a refuge for those that were in the jungle that day, who were left for dead. 
and he would go running back into the jungle over and over again. Dozens of men were saved by the hands of an individual who was only looking for one guy. But dozens were saved. Now James 2 says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now, here's a disclaimer at the very beginning of today's message. Now, I am going to be speaking directly to those who identify as believers in Jesus Christ and members of the church. So, if you, today or whenever you're hearing this, are not a believer, or maybe not associated as a believer in the church of Jesus Christ, you're getting an inside look of what the expectation and standard is for us. And you hold us accountable to that. Because this is the Jesus that we serve, and this is what is his commands. Now the rest of us, we're going to look at James chapter 2. And we're going to see what James, our brother here, was telling the church then that the church still needs to hear today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to dive now into your word. We open this with the expectation that we have clear vision and direction on how you want your church to operate, how you want us to live, how you want us to, to function, Lord. Father, I pray in this moment that in my preparation and in, in, in writing this down, that only the gospel truth is spoken to us, Lord. If I say anything that is not so, correct me on the spot. Father, I pray in this moment that each of us, we take the words from James and we hide it behind our heart. Lord, just to, to, to receive it. It may be hard to hear. It may not. But we just ask God. I ask. Now, as a pastor, really, I ask that we receive this word, this truth from your gospel. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, we're in the second chapter of James. So we've gone through chapter one. Now we're in the second chapter, James, and it deals with a topic that was extremely relevant then. It was very relevant in that time, and it is still very relevant today. And that topic is favoritism. Oh, Captain, we don't do that. I don't do that. It's like asking your parent, which one's your favorite kid? Oh, Captain, no, 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 there's no favorite kids. This is, a t this is a topic that has been around for a long, long, long time. In fact, James in the second chapter here starts off by giving us an example. He wants to clearly identify, here's what I'm talking about, church. And it's in chapter 2, starting with verse 2. It says this, Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes, also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you right up here. Or here, come sit by my feet, right here on the floor by me, as my guest. And then you say to the poor man, you stand there and sit on the floor. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, favoritism, let me tell you what it does. And I'm talking at its core root, favoritism. It prevents you and I 
to see and love people the way God sees and loves people. That's what it does. It prevents us from doing that. See, as his people, you and I, as his ambassadors, as his church, we are the first impression on the image of God. That's what we are. You know, in Genesis, it says that God made us in his image. He made us, you and me, in his image. And there are times that we, as the church, as a whole, haven't looked in the mirror in a little while. Because others might not be seeing the image of God, but instead a mirror of the world. And it is true at times, at times, the church as a whole, turn on the television, turn on whatever, as a whole, the church has become as political as the world, as dividing as the world, and even as segregated as the world. There are times when we can put the church next to the world and they look the same. They look the same. People, I'm telling you, you've seen this. Over the last 18 months, people are seeking refuge. They're hurting. We just heard that from Andrew. Thank you for that testimony. They're hurting. The pandemic hasn't been kind to them. Hasn't been kind to us. But people are seeking refuge in numbers like never before. The pandemic is slowing us down. The pandemic is a revival. It's a revival of those seeking after the Lord. Those realizing that there's more to this world. And people are seeking that place. And church doors are being shut because their image doesn't match their image. This is favoritism. This, is, this stuff isn't new. This isn't new stuff, right? Like, nothing I'm saying is, you know, oh, wow, I've never heard. You know, this has been around for the very, since the beginning, actually. It has been around since the beginning of the church in the first century. Only difference is, back then, the topic was Jew versus Gentile. That was the topic. And then, and then when they gathered together, they would say, they would, they would look and say to the Gentiles, well, what, what should they be doing? What should the Gentiles be doing? Should they live like us? Should they follow our laws and our customs? Should they even be here? And this would be a conversation back and forth. And this is why I have to believe that there are so many letters in the New Testament reminding God's people that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who call upon it can be saved. Reminding us that God, and through Christ, changed the word they to us. That this is what Christ has done. Now, according to James chapter 2, verse 4, if we operate our churches like this, if this is how we're going to operate our churches as a whole, then all we have offered to those seeking refuge is a place of discrimination and gatekeepers who are controlling who gets the blessing of the church when it's not ours to control. The blessing isn't ours to dictate, to pass out. The blessing is from the Lord. The church 
is the blessing. <laughs> it is the blessing. We're not gatekeepers of it. It is the blessing. And any church, I'm going to tell you, any church who operates like this as gatekeepers are corrupt and living in sin. This is the truth. Living in sin. But as a group of fellowship believers, we could be living in sin together with smiles on our face. Because we're not doing as God had commanded us. And these churches, according to James, and I think my interpretation of it, and really I think now my opinion of it, I will be honest with that, is that these types of churches need to remove any name of Jesus from their buildings, from their congregations, and from their lips until those gatekeepers allow revival to take place from within. Otherwise, their fellowship will die. It will die. God's not going to bless and ordain that. You still with me? Okay. All right. This is James. I'm just saying. All right. It's right here. It's right here. But those fellowships will die if they choose to live and function in that way. Now, I want you to hear what James is not saying right now. What he's not saying. He is not saying to open the floodgates and let the world run the church. But instead, for the church to be the refuge for the world. This is what James is saying. To be a refuge for the world. Not to, not to, to compromise. Not to just throw everything out the back door and say, everybody in and you get to run it. No, no, no. That's not what James is saying. He's saying, no, the, Jesus himself was able to be with the sinners and still be sin free. This is the life he lived. There is still the holiness that's called upon all of us to live. But the church itself must be a refuge for those coming in seeking after him. This is what we're called to do. Now, James, I have to believe, is reminding the church to be a refuge for the world, that you will find what you're seeking for among these Believers, these people, to exchange your chaos for peace, your weariness for rest, your anger for love. This is where that can take place. The church can be a place where people can look different, live a little different, and act different, and can absolutely experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. And why wouldn't we want to be a place like that, right? Of course we do. We want to be a place where people can come and experience the healing touch of Jesus. And the gate's always open for that. Now, James is obviously very passionate about this as I was going through there and taking that section by section, verse by verse. He's very passionate about this. You see, in verses 5 through 13, the remaining of that little section there in your Bible, he then kind of goes on to his little soapbox, if you will, and he gives us a three-point argument on why favoritism is sinful. He gives us three reasons on why favoritism is sinful. The very first argument that James gives is this, is when choosing followers based on economics was his first argument. Don't do that. Don't choose, your father, don't choose your fellowship solely based on economics. 
We are not to build our fellowship, our churches, based on the same worldly system that identifies value out there. That's not how the church is built. This is not what we're called to be. That when a person of wealth comes into the fellowship, that we treat them higher because of their worldly status, thinking that they have much more to offer than those in the fellowship who are poor. This is a lie from Satan. It's a lie from Satan, and this is not the truth. Verse 5, James himself writes down, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? And James, in verse 5, is directly quoting Jesus here. He is quoting Jesus' very first line from his very first public sermon he ever gave on record, which is the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. And when Jesus, who just had his recently selected disciples by his side, he looked up to the great crowd that day, and the first thing he said to them, who are hungry for the word, hungry, is this the Messiah? Hungry, that what is this, what, what can this man offer? And the first words out of his mouth are, blessed are the poor in spirits. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Already immediately identifying that this earth is not the kingdom. But blessed is the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. We cannot build a church on the same system the world is using. Because according to Jesus, the kingdom is promised to anyone who humbles his spirit. To anyone who humbles his spirit, the kingdom is there for your inheritance. Now I want to tell you, right now, from behind this pulpit, that in this church, your economic status is not your image. It's not your identity. It's not your worth. Christ is. That is our image, is Christ. Of course we all have different economic statuses. Of course we do. But I'm saying is that in the church, it's not your identity. It's not your image. And it certainly is not going to be a reason why you can't seek after him, one way or the other. You can sit anywhere you like in here. I don't know if Nick would let you sit up here, though. I don't know. I tried to take the baton from him. You know, I, that was risky business, you know. But you can sit anywhere you like in this church. And I hope I have the privilege one day of sitting by you. Now, the second argument that James is giving here in the second chapter is that favoritism violates what is called the royal law. That's what he refers to it. The royal law. In verse 8 here it says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Now the term royal law is a Jewish term, giving significance, really giving power for what is believed to be the most important law to keep, 
That's why they say royal, which the royal law is actually first introduced in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. This is the first time we ever see it. And that law is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, Jesus then echoes it again in Matthew 22 when he was teaching and saying that the greatest commands are to love God and to love thy neighbor. It's royal because it is the law that is the source of governing all human relationships on this earth. Is this law. Christ himself said that. That there's no greater commandment than to love God and to love your neighbor. For all the laws hangs on this. Favoritism is in direct violation of his law. Direct violation. And then the third. The third argument that James gives is that favoritism will be judged. It will be judged. In verse 12, he writes, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James, he finishes this topic of favoritism here in the second chapter, at the beginning of the second chapter, I should say, with a reminder, with a reminder for everyone who calls the church home, that the church or the individual that makes up the church, all of us independently united together, that he reminds us to speak and to act as those who are going to be judged. See, those of us who've been in the faith for a long time, and I have been, I remember accepting Christ as my Savior when I was seven years old at the altar with my mom by my side. Jesus is who I have known my entire life. And I can say that those of us that have been in the faith for all of our life for a really long time, we might forget from time to time that judgment is still coming. It's still coming. That when we find Christ at the cross and receive salvation into our hearts, this means that the judgment for us, we already have kind of a heads up on what it's going to be. But it's still coming. We still stand before him. That it is true. Yes, it is true. And in fact, one of my favorite hymns of all time states it by this little line. That says, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live. This is the promise Christ gives us, that God's wrath will be satisfied when we call upon him. But judgment is still to come. It is still to come. We will be judged by God on how we judge those outside of the church. We'll be judged, hear that? By God on how we judge those outside of the church. We, now for those inside the church, that's a talk for a different day and I'm gonna save that one. 
I'm talking about those outside of the church. And so James' last word on this topic is simple. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So why does this matter? Why has James put this on paper? Why are we going through this right now? I think we all know why. We know why. Each of us in this room have faced favoritism at some point in our time in our life. You've experienced it. You've experienced nepotism, either in work, school, church, wherever. You've experienced it. Nepotism, racism, sexism, or another ism, maybe. We've all experienced some type of favoritism in our lifetime. And the reality is, is that this will not change in the world. It's not going to change out there. These things won't change. They're going to stay. They're going to be that way. We will try as a society our very best to build safeguards, to pass laws, build a society that is fair and equal for all. But it always has been and forever will be an uphill battle in the world. This is the world. But it cannot be that way in the church. It can't be that way. We must take our eyes off of the world, off of each other, and focus them to the King, to Christ. That when we see others, that when we see those that don't look like us, don't have the same image as us, don't have the same whatever fill in the blank as us, that when we see others, we see the image of God in them. We see the image of God. That we must be focused like, well, like Forrest. To be focused like him in our quest for Christ. That with all the noise in the world, all of the anger, man, it seems like we're angry all the time, isn't it? All the politics, all of the collapsing governments that we've seen, all of the threats, uh, all of this is being fed to us from the world. That when all of us are in that jungle, are in that chaos, are in that, in that mess, that we must keep our focus on him. Have to. That I know, I know it's easier to turn around and go back. I know it is. That when we're in the chaos of it all, when we're in the loudness of it all, when we're just in the thick of it, that it's easier to turn around and just go back. I know it's easy. I know, it, I know it's safer for someone else to do it, to send somebody else on your behalf to go into the front lines and battle. I know it's safer to do that. But let me, let me tell you what happens when you go, when you do it. That in your journey, that in the midst of the chaos and in the jungle or whatever it is, in the midst of all of that, that you begin to find those who have been lost to the jungle along the way. You've been able to do that. That in their pain, in their depression, in their suffering, that, that they see in the midst of all of this chaos, that they see something that they may have never seen before. Refuge. I'm over here. I'm over here. And there you are. Focus. Pressing. Jesus. Jesus. 
over here. Now you can go over to that person and say, you're not who I'm looking for. Do you know where Jesus is? You can say that. Or you can go over to that person who may not identify as you, may not look like you, the same race as you, whatever, fill in the blank as you, and say, follow me. I know where it's safe. Come on. And you go through and bring them to safety. Refuge. Refuge. Is it possible? Is it possible that others may know to come Jesus Christ simply because we decided to follow him? Jesus. Jesus. Over here. Grab him. Jesus. Over here. Grab him. Let's get these guys to safety. Let's get them to refuge. There's no favoritism here. There's no favoritism. There's safe haven. Refuge. I know the man that can change your life. Because see out there in the junk, all that, it's not going to get better. Out there, follow me. Come here, follow me. Love thy neighbor as yourself. Where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? Is there anything in your heart that needs to perhaps be removed? Maybe something, a seed that has been planted, a favoritism perhaps, I don't know. But this would be a great opportunity to look in the mirror, just individually, just to look and see if it's the image of Christ or the image of the world. I'm not exempt from this, by the way. I have to do the same thing. Or maybe there's something right now in your life that you need some reconciliation for. I have hurt someone. I have brought pain to someone. I have been a gatekeeper. Maybe not physically in the church, but maybe among my filling up or whatever it is. I've been a gatekeeper. You can have access to him when fill in the blank. Or maybe it's the other side. You have been hurt. You haven't been allowed inside. The doors are open. It's open. I'm claiming it now. This church, the Salvation Army of Gwinnett County, will be a refuge for those seeking Christ. Filled with people who are extending their arms saying, follow me. I know where to take you. Lord, may it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.